Coming to you live from the Soup Studios in beautiful downtown Metrodelphia, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Get set for another thrilling episode of the Crime Buster Deluxe, that Houdini of whodunits, Jack McCoy, Private Eye. This episode, Jack McCoy in, let's call it a drawing room. Life in the big city isn't for everyone. The fact that everyone seems to be in the big city at one time, especially if you need to go anywhere, doesn't change that. There are people in this world who just aren't suited to live in the city. They are much more suited to live on a large country estate surrounded by servants and never needing to lift a finger. I am one of those people. But as I currently have no access to a large country estate, nor a bevy of servants, I live in the big city like a sucker. It was a day like any other as I sat within my office, though I'd been between clients for the past little while, and then some, I had scraped up sufficient change from the ashtray on my car to buy a newspaper. Having completed the crossword puzzle and given the rest of the paper a casual perusal, I had then taken a moment to ponder the significance of the day's news, to really ponder how it affected not only me, but society as a whole, and how I could use this knowledge to better myself and the world around me. I entered this search for epiphany with a determined and serious demeanor. I ended it something like this. What? Who? When? How much did they pay that chimpanzee? Good afternoon, Mr. McCoy. My name is Colfax, and I am in need of your services. Ain't you never heard a knocking, pal? I do beg your pardon, sir. Your secretary said I should go right in, and that an appointment was by no means necessary. That is not even remotely true. Forgive me, sir. But if you are trying to portray yourself as particularly busy and therefore in demand, I assure you that is neither necessary nor especially believable, given that I have just entered your office to find you quite asleep. Yeah, I wasn't trying to do that. I'm taking issue with the first part of your sentence. I do not, in fact, have a secretary. Oh, dear. In that case, may I ask, who was the woman in the outer room? Who was the... Hang on a moment. Ethel? You didn't pay your rent last week. Ah, uh, yes, about that. I... And there's no way you can pay it if you don't get a case, right? Well, that's true, yes. So take the case. Why are you sitting at my secretary's desk? Let's put it this way. Anyone who goes into your office has to pass by me on the way out. Yeah, so? So if you don't take the cases when they walk out, I get to walk in. I see your point. So, Mr. Colfax, you had a job for me. Just Colfax, sir. Shall I pour you a spot of tea? So you're a butler, then? What gave me away, sir? You just offered me tea inside my office. Not to mention, I am reasonably positive that within the confines of my office, there was no tea, no hot water, and certainly no teapot, teacups, or lacy little things on which to put a teacup. A doily, sir. Yes, but I am too manly to say that word. My point is, only a butler would have brought all those things with him. 
and certainly no one else would have gone to the trouble to prepare them if he had. I see you have the necessary skills I require, sir. Darjeeling or Earl Grey? You made both? Never mind. Why don't you tell me what I can do for you, Colfax? I want you to solve a murder. I can probably do that, but why not go to the police? The police seem quite insistent about the fact that they are unable to solve a murder that has not actually occurred yet. Of course. A Sergeant O'Hanlon suggested that you might be able to assist me. Remind me to take him off my Christmas list. All right, Colfax, let's start at the beginning. Very good, sir. This Saturday evening, Mrs. Golda Cashplenty will be celebrating her 80th birthday in the drawing room at Cashplenty Manor. During the celebration, the lights will go out, a shot will fire, and Mrs. Cash Plenty will be found to be dead, and the police will come to the inevitable conclusion that the butler did it. And you know this how? Why, tradition, sir. The last four heirs to the Cash Plenty fortune were killed on their 80th birthday under the circumstances I just described. That seems unlikely. Have you ever met a member of the Cash Plenty family, sir? I have not. Had you done so, sir, you would find it still more astonishing that anyone from that odious family would have been allowed to live until the age of 80. Four of the past four generations of my family have been incarcerated upon the deaths of the head of the Cash Plenty family. It's possible that one of them even did it. Four generations. And you're still working for them? Have you ever considered, I don't know, not... The Colfax family have been legendary butlers for over a century, sir. Sadly, it's hardly what one might call a growth industry. I see. All right, Colfax. I'll see if I can help you in any way at all. My fee is $40 a day plus expenses. Your fee is $65 a day. Apparently, my rates have just gone up. Make that 75 and no checks. Tell you what. Why don't you go iron out the particulars with my... Business manager, I guess. I have had more unusual cases than this. I don't specifically remember them, but I'm sure I must have had some. Maybe. In order to prevent a murder, you need several things. A lack of motive, a lack of means, and a lack of opportunity. I decided to start with the last one, as I already lacked any kind of motivation. And as Ethel could tell you, my means were nothing to write home about. So I needed an opportunity to stop this murder before it got started. That meant I needed one thing in particular. An invitation? Yes, ma'am. To my birthday party? Again, yes, ma'am. But I don't know you. No, ma'am. Will you stop calling me ma'am? You're not my butler. Mrs. Cashplenty, I am a great admirer of yours. I just wanted to be invited to the festivities. I don't have any great admirers. I'm a moderately acceptable admirer of yours. What do you really want? Whiskey. But that's probably not what you're asking. No, it isn't. There is a rumor about what's going to happen to you at your 80th birthday party. Yes, yes, the lights will go out, a shot will be fired, I'll end up dead, and my butler will go to jail for it. And you're all right with this? Well, not especially, but it is tradition. Tradition. Young people today don't have any appreciation for tradition. 
My mother was shot in the face by her butler. My grandfather was shot in the neck by his. Now, if I act like I'm too good for the same, what will people say about me? I have no idea. But if you die, neither will you. I've been hired by your butler to prevent your untimely demise, and also to keep him out of prison. Probably mostly that second part. But don't worry about what other people might have to say. You just go about your business exactly the way you planned to. If I succeed, no one will think it's your fault. And if I fail, well, I guess you won't be in a position to complain about that. Can I still tell all my children I'm planning to change my will the day after my party to write them out and leave the money to my favorite charity, Guns for Tots? Another family tradition. Exactly. All right, young man. You can come to my party, but be sure to bring me a birthday present. Of course, Mrs. Cash Plenty. You're on the expense account. I showed up early for the party, and I was completely sober. The first part is probably surprising to you, and the second part, you probably don't believe. I get where you're coming from, but it was true. Ethel had confiscated my petty cash, and then she took my wallet because she's petty. This left me with no money for booze. I figured with generations of cash plenies killed in the same room, there might be a hidden murder weapon in the drawing room. I started my search in the most important place. Have you found anything, sir? I have successfully concluded that the whiskey has not been poisoned, or the port, or the brandy, or whatever that bottle was. Sherry, sir. Dated a girl named Sherry once. Oh, I'm reasonably certain we all did, sir. Very good, Colfax. Have you discovered a hidden murder weapon, sir? I have not. I have discovered sixty-four hidden murder weapons. I locked them in the safe over there. Oh, I am not surprised, sir. The late Philomena Cashplenty was quite fond of saying that she could never find a gun when she was angry. Family tree might have been somewhat larger if that had, in fact, been the case. And speaking of family, sir. All right, let's go. I want to open my presents before some fool shoots me in the head. Oh, it's you, young man. Did you bring me my birthday present? Can I interest you in sixty-four guns that will not be used to shoot you? If they're not wrapped, they are not the present. Well then, I'm glad I got you this card. Your present is inside. I see. Well, allow me to introduce you to my eldest daughter, Fetty. This is some detective or another. Did you just run a metal detector over me? Yep, it picked up your bracelet, but you're clean. Did you expect me to be carrying a gun? But I have no reason to shoot my mother and frame the butler. There is the matter of the inheritance. But, darling, I couldn't care less about that. My husband Bill owns his own business. He owns warehouse after warehouse. We're quite well off, thank you very much. Isn't that right, my little smoochy woochy? Yes, of course, my little lovey dovey pookish mookums. Are you two newlyweds? Not at all. We just like making people uncomfortable with public displays of sappiness. And you're still the sweetest sugar maple I ever met, my dear. Well, you'll both be happy to know that I'm about to vomit. We, we win, win, we win, we win. Oh boy. Oh, don't be a bad sport, darling. If you really want to find someone with a motive to kill mother, you should talk to the twins. 
The twins? Lucci and Lincoln. Over in the corner there. Identical to the last detail. It's a guy and a girl. He's six foot three with dark hair. She's four foot eleven with red hair. Well, perhaps to the second to last detail. I see. Well, thanks for pointing them out to me. Excuse me, I'm... We know who you are. You're that dastardly detective that brutish butler hired to frame us for killing Mother. Well, we're not going to stand by and let you do it. Do you hear me? I love my mother more than all the money in the world and would never harm the slightest hair on her darling head. My brother and I are of one mind on this. He and I share every thought, every concept, every tick of our personality, and I'm absolutely sure that neither of us would possibly wish ill on our darling mother. Isn't that right, Lincoln? Yep. It's despicable that you could even consider us as suspects. No matter what else happens, you gullible gumshoe, you're not going to put the blame on us. Use whatever tricks you like, manufacture whatever evidence you think possible. The result will be the same. We didn't do it! Forgive me for pointing this out, but there's nothing for you not to have done. The crime hasn't been committed yet. Well, we won't have done it. I mean, we will have had not done it. I mean, we have not had will have done it or, or had will have not done it. <laughs> you seem... Shut up! I don't have to stand here and let you trip me up with your fast-talking. Mark my words, Detective whatever your name is. You'll come to rue the day you accused Lucci Cashplenny and her brother of having had will have committed murder. I promise you here and now, this shall not stand. Or have stood. Right, Lincoln? Yep. Good day to you, sir. I said good day. Wait, no, you you didn't. I did. Well, I was agreeing with you. So, did you follow all that? Three children about to be written out of the will, and not a one of them seemed to care a fig about all that money. All that sweet, sweet, lovely money. So, things were looking bad for my client. I mean, in so much as there had not yet been a crime, he was, for the moment, innocent in the eyes of the law. But a crime was coming as sure as heartburn after dinner with my mother. And when it came... I had no idea where to point the finger of guilt, meaning it was about to go straight up my client's nose. In such a situation, you might be tempted to throw in the towel, or perhaps you would randomly search about hoping against hope to find the killer and unmask her deadly plot. You would be powerless against the winds of fate, which had conspired against you. But that, my friends, is because you are not a private detective. Ladies and gentlemen, if I may have your attention for just a moment, please. Are you going to spoil my birthday? Not in the least. I'm about to make sure you can make it to your next one. For you see, Mrs. Golda Cashplenty, I am about to reveal your murderer. The lights! The lights have gone out! And now they're back on. Thank you very much. I'll take that gun. I knew that the murderer would go for his weapon the moment those lights went out. Bill? Bill, my darling, my love, my schmoopsy, what are you doing with that gun? What does it look like? I'm going to kill your mother. If she writes us out, I will. We're ruined. Absolutely ruined. But Honeykins, your business, the warehouses. I make buggy whips. I go warehouses after warehouses filled with boxes of buggy whips that nobody wants to buy. I tell you, we have to have that money from the inheritance. We're doomed. Well, I won't write you out of the will, then. It may 
What? Well, if you actually need the money, you should have it. I won't have my daughter going to the poorhouse. And I'll write Lucci and Lincoln back in too. Why not? I'm old. That's all it took. But mother, what about guns for tots? There are currently sixty-four guns in the safe over there. You can donate some of those. All right, Jackie, me boy. Oh, I turned out the lights and turned them back on again, just like you asked. No, where's the murder victim? Oh, Sergeant O'Hanlon, I'm so glad you could make it. O'Hanlon, you know Mrs. Cashplenty? I should say so, Jackie lad. My family has been arresting the Cashplenty's butlers for far generations. All right, Mister Colfax. We've been practicing this for years and years to get it right for you. You have the right to remain silent. Oh, Hanlon, you can't arrest him for the murder of Mrs. Cashplenty. She's not actually dead. You don't say. I do say. Mrs. C, do you want him to arrest your son-in-law, who was about to kill you? No, I would much rather open my presents. Starting with yours, young man. You got me a five-dollar bill. Well, my expense account only goes so far. Do you know how long it has been since I've even seen the five-dollar bill? Oh, this is perfect. It's so good to see Herbert Hoover again. That's Abe Lincoln. Oh, well, like I said, it's been a while. I like to think that I prevented a murder. Sounds better than saying I did not solve the murder that never happened and spoiled Sergeant O'Hanlon's dramatic recitation of the Miranda rights. I think it would have been the only time he ever got it right. I'm sure my client paid his bill promptly. For one thing, he was a butler, a gentleman's gentleman, and for another, if he hadn't, my landlady would have hunted him down like a dog. Oh, he paid up all right. You got a whole month's rent out of it. Ethel. I'm doing a monologue here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Look at Mr. Big Shot with his monologue music. How much is that costing you? I wonder. Ethel, out. I'm going. I'm going. And so my day ended. No crimes committed. No arrests made. And apparently, I've lost the ability to do a perfectly good monologue in private the way God intended. But at least. Be cake. Ooh, that sounds good. Bring some of that back for me. Ethel. And this concludes another episode of America's favorite crime solver. Lives are saved, wrongs are righted, and there's enough money in the till for a shot of whiskey. What new perils will our hero unravel in the future? Find out next time on another episode of Jack McCoy Private Eye. Ethel. Jack McCoy, Private Eye, was produced by Seat of Our Pants Players, written and directed by Dan Wenzel. Jack was Rick Tennant. Ethel was Jill Wenzel. Colfax was Andrew Dell. Golda was Andy Gastingy. Fetty was Rebecca Scheimer. Bill was Adam Gastingy. Lucci was Liz Music, and Lincoln and Sergeant O'Hanlon were Dan Wenzel. Music included fast talking by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Other music and sound effects by www.freesfx.co.uk. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later.